So we have been through the book of First John, and we've been covering quite a bit, and, and we're coming to the end. We're in chapter 5, and we're coming to the end of this book. And, and so John is going to begin to kind of put a bow on it, as it were. And you know what's funny? I, I just got back from Orlando, and I did not go to Disney. Uh, I don't know how you feel about that. I feel good about that. Um, however, we did go to the Lego store. So Disney Springs is like Disney, but without the lines, without the rides, and without the stress. You go and you spend whatever money you want. So we went to the Lego store. We got some stuff. Uh, the, the grands got to bless the, my, my kids. And uh, my eldest son got what's called the Lego Mindstorm. Um, and it is basically uh, a, a robotics kit, a Lego robotics kit. And it comes with motors. It comes with sensors. It comes with, with wires. And, of course, Legos that connect all the pieces and, and instructions. But it comes with this central brick that really controls it all together. And you can, it's got six little ports, three on one side, three on other, and then it's got this button so you can connect it over Bluetooth. And so everything ties, ties into this one central piece, and, and it controls everything else that goes on. And without it, the, the, the robot that he just made, actually, uh, is, is, it remains lifeless and, and inert. But, but when you connect it to this brick, you can, you can do all kinds of things. You can make it you know, dance and move and go in circles and make the lights go on. It, it, it controls, it's the life force in the center of this little robot. Well, in, in this, in, in the next couple uh, verses, we're going to see that faith is our life brick. Now, he's been talking a great deal about loving people, loving God, living in a particular way, doing things behaviors that describe and rise out of faith. But at the core of it, there has to be a trust and a faith in God, a faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And, and if you'll recall, he's been working against some teachers who, who really had been saying that faith in Jesus Christ was not enough, or, or maybe even faith in Jesus Christ was misplaced. And so he's, he's ending our letter and saying, guys, it's about faith. It's about faith, and not just faith in faith, believing in believing, having good feelings. This is not just blind positivity. This is trusting in the person and work of Jesus Christ and the implication that that, that has for your life and my life. That is our life block. That's the thing that connects everything. That's the thing from which everything flows, and we're going to see that's the thing that, that really animates us as people. And so we're going to read out of... Uh, 1 John chapter 5, verses 1 through 5. 1 John chapter 5, verses 1 through 5. Now, if you're new, we have a tradition of standing to reverence the Word of God. So I'm going to ask you now to stand as we read together 1 John chapter 5, verses 1 through 5. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and obey his commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments. And his commandments are not burdensome. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. 
And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who, who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? This is the word of the Lord to us. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this book. And we thank you for your Son, Jesus Christ. <clears throat> God, I pray that we would have a huge faith, that our faith would grow, that our trust in Jesus Christ would grow to such a degree that love for your people, that love for you, that obedience toward you would just flow out of us. That as we look at Jesus Christ in our hearts, that as we consider his perfect life and his, his atoning, sacrificial, substitutionary death on the cross, that we would be animated, that we would, we would find strength to obey. Strength to say yes to you and no to sin. Strength to say yes to love and no to hate. Strength to say yes to forgiveness and no to unforgiveness and bitterness. Strength to say yes to your mission and your vision and no to mediocrity and apathy. God, would you open our eyes to see Jesus for who he is, the awesome Lord and Savior, the one whose name is above every name, not only in this age, but in the age to come, the one whom you've placed above all other lords, who's called Lord of lords and King of kings. God, give us faith. Strengthen our faith. Grow our faith. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You guys can be seated. So in these verses, we, we really see, it, it's kind of, it's, it's, literally, it's really pretty. I mean, he begins and he says, everyone who believes that Jesus is Christ has been born of God. And he begins to describe some things and then he ends it. Who is it that has overcome the world except what? The one who believes that Jesus is the son of God. That's called an inclusio. And he, he kind of wraps it up nicely for us to, to see. But we're going to see that, that he's going to call us to believe in Jesus and he, he uses some shorthand to say, you know, I'm going to believe in Jesus the Christ. I'm going to believe that Jesus is the Son of God. And he's been talking about these concepts, and so he's assuming that we, we're on track. We understand what he's talking about. And, but in believing these things, there are some things that, that are connected to that life block, as I said. Those who believe are a new creation, as he said, says in verse 1. Those who believe are, are a new creation. In verse Verses, verse 2, we see that those who believe love the Father and love his children. In verses 2 and 3, we see that those who believe show their love for God in obedience to his commands. And in verses 4 and 5, we see that those who believe overcome the world. Our faith is the starting point. But it's not just a starting point. We don't, we don't move away from it. It's also the life block that connects and gives life and grace and strength to all these other endeavors. So let's see how our faith is the starting point in verse 1. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. Pause. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. This is, this is one of the most understated, radical statements that John makes. And if you've been in Christianity long, for any length of time really, you can become kind of numb to this reality, 
I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a miracle, and really the greatest miracle, but, but we don't, you know, well, you know, the limb didn't grow longer, you know, I didn't, I didn't get healed of, of this disease. It, it's not necessarily as immediately visible, though in some people's lives it is, and we can, we can begin to downplay this, but he says something that's really radical. He says that those who believe that Jesus is the Christ have been born of God. In, in Ephesians chapter 2, Paul describes it this way. He says, you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked. So there's a kind of deadness that we can walk in. You know, it's the closest thing to the, the zombie apocalypse that you and I will hopefully ever get to. Walking people, the walking dead, it, it, they're alive as it relates to the world, but as it relates to, to uh, relating to and responding to God himself, we are dead and then God does what? He quickens our soul. He gives us life. We're new creation. Paul talks about it in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. He says this in verse 17 of 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. When you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you are a new creation. There are lies that come to us that try to say, you can't do this, you'll never change, your family's always done this, your father was always like this, your mother was always like that, you're always going to be like X, and that is a lie. The gospel says you're a new creation. If you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you're new. Now there, there are some dynamics with dealing with the, the, the sin nature that Paul talks about, that, that wars against us, but that's not who you are anymore. The power of sin is broken, and there's new life. When we have faith, we have power because we have new life. We're a new creation. In Ezekiel, this is one of the prophets of the Old Testament, he, he, he hears this promise from God. And it says this in Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 26. And I'll give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a, a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey. And he goes on and describes their obedience that comes as a result of the new heart. You know, I, I used to be a youth pastor and I'd have kids, well-meaning, sweet, sweet teens who would come to me and Say, Pastor Eddie, I don't know if I'm saved. I'm stressed out. I'm worried. Okay, well, tell me what's going on. Well, I just I feel, I feel so guilty about some things that are going on in my life, and, and I, don't want, I don't want to follow God, and I'm trying to follow God, but, but I just don't know if I'm saved. I mean, I'm, I'm reading my Bible, and I'm, 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 I'm pursuing these things, but I just don't know. Well, how do you know that you're saved? Well, you know that you're saved because you want to please God. You know that you're saved because you're pursuing him. You know that you're saved because you have a desire to please him, and not just because you don't want to go to hell, but because you, you love him as a father. You, you know this to be true because those who don't have faith in Jesus Christ, they don't struggle with these things. They may not want to go, you know, experience eternal damnation. They, they, you know, nobody does. You don't have to be saved to not want that. But to want to please the father... 
even when you struggle and fail, to, to have a desire. Those desires, that's the new heart. That's the new, you know, when the Bible talks about sin, it oftentimes about, talks about our bondage to sin. And sometimes we think that that bondage looks like, you know, someone making you sin. But the thing that's making us sin when we're not saved is our desires. Our heart of stone that says, that looks good. I mean, just, just watch a child invariably. There's a reason why there's a whole industry around baby-proofing households. Because babies are little, sweet, fat bundles of sin. I mean, they're death detectors. And, and, and you can have, you know, you can discover outlets in your house. You know, oh, I didn't even know there was an outlet. And little Billy, he's trying to put his, don't do that, Billy. What, this? Stop that. It's, it's in our, our DNA. Our desire is bent away from God prior to salvation. And then when we get saved, those who trust in God are a new creation. Some of you need to hear this. Some of you have put your faith in Jesus Christ, but you feel like you're being defined by who you were. You're being defined by who, uh, what you did. You're being defined by what your parents had, had incorrectly said about who you are. What that teacher has incorrectly said about who you are. What that coach has incorrectly said about who you are. You're never going to do X. You're never going to be good enough for Y. And God says you're a new creation. And we act and believe by faith on what he has said about who we are. Those who believe are a new creation. But he doesn't stop there. In fact, that's really, it's a minor point for him. He says, everyone who believes in Christ has been born of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves whoever's been born of him. Now, it's, in, in the original language, and I don't mean to, but whatever. In the original language, he doesn't use the word father. You know, in the Greek, father, pater. You know, sound pater, father. Okay. But he doesn't use that. He says, really, Everyone who loves the one who begets, loves the one who, who makes babies, loves also those babies. So in the original language, he's, he's drawing a connection. If you love the one who makes the babies, you're going to love the babies. If you love the one who, who bears these children, you're going to love the children as well. Those who believe in Christ love the Father and they love his children. Those who believe our faith is what empowers us to love our Father and to love those around us. And sometimes we, we, we struggle in our walk with God and we say, God, I don't feel connected to you. And, and it's maybe because we've diminished, we've disregarded, we've um, set aside the gospel. Our, either our problems, our own ego... The situations around us have become so big that we've forgotten how big our God is. Our faith has dwindled, and because of that, we don't see and receive the love of the Father. And because of that, we struggle to love those around us. But if you believe in Jesus Christ, if you redirect your faith in him, 
if you remind yourself of this gospel that you and I, we are sinners in, in dire need of salvation, doing nothing, offering nothing to our own salvation, and yet God loves us so much that he sends his son to die on the cross for our sins in our place. When you begin to, to set your eyes and set your mind and set your heart on this reality, love overflows. Love for the Father and love for other people who are experiencing the same grace that you are. You know, this is why one of the things that brings real vitality to our lives is sharing our faith. You know, I, I, I've, I've uh, had a few experiences on the mission field, and, and one of the most exciting things about being on the mission field is, is that you're, you're on mission, now, we could be on mission in our world now, here where you are, but there's just something about being transported to a place, taking time off from work, not focusing on other things, and, and you're just kind of in a, uh, a gospel, um, hermetically sealed you know, box where you're just focused on mission. And it's in that moment that you feel the vitality and the love and the, the care of God. You feel the, the power and strength of the Holy Spirit. You feel the presence of Jesus Christ because you're what? You are loving the Father and loving those around you and you're sharing the gospel. You're, you're inviting people to experience what you experience. You're, you're sharing the love that he's given to you and, and, and offering that to other people. And in that experience, all of a sudden, love, love it, it, it rises up. And maybe, and, and, and I'm, I'm a Bible guy. I love the Bible. Read the Bible every day. Read the Bible every day. But if you're reading the Bible and you feel a numbness toward God, if you're reading the Bible and you're praying and you feel a numbness toward God, you feel a, a numbness towards church, you don't feel connected to church, maybe the solution isn't to try and feel more. Maybe the solution is try to look at the gospel and really ask yourself, what, what about the gospel do you need to appreciate today? Is it the fact that you're forgiven of your sins? Is it the fact that you've been adopted into a family? Is it the fact that you've been gone from death to, not, to life and now you have dynamic power to live victoriously? Is it the fact that you're going to go from humiliation to, to exaltation? You're going to participate with the, the amazing reality of who God is? What part of the gospel do you need to look at and say, that's for me today? Those who believe in Jesus loved the Father and his children. And he goes on and he says, um, by this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and obey his commandments. Um, for this is the love of God that we keep his commandments. You know, he has said many, many times, this is how we know that we love God. If we love our brothers and sisters in Christ. I don't know how many times I've said that. If you want to believe that you're a Christian, Look at how you're loving your brothers and sisters in Christ. And that is not what he says here. He says, if you want to know that you love God, no, he says this. I, I did it again, but he just says it the other way. Um, we know we know, love the children of God when we love God and obey. Do you want to know if you're loving your brothers and sisters in Christ well? Well, are you loving God and obeying his commands? And that's, that feels kind of backwards, and, and to me, you know, I read this several times, and, and even there's some commentators who, who try to kind of pull something out of this to kind of make it say what he has been saying. But I think that, that what's happening is that, that our, our love for God and our obedience to God and our love for our brothers and sisters in Christ are a, a uh, triangle. And if you take any one of those corners away, you ruin the triangle. 
right? It, it no longer is a triangle. It no longer is stable. We have to have love for God. And that love for God is expressed in obedience to God. But that love for God and obedience to God results in love for our brothers because he commands us, he, he gives us the command to obey, to love our brothers and sisters in Christ. And if we want to know what the best representation of someone who loves their brothers and sisters in Christ is, it's someone who loves God and is obeying him and living in relationship with other people. You know, I'm reminded of, of being a teenage boy and, and there being teenage girls and fathers deciding whether or not, you know, this young man or that young man is worthy of loving their daughter, or worthy of dating, their, which if they're a teenager and he doesn't have a job, probably not. Um, just wait till college, get a job, get a degree, and then we'll talk, right? Um, there we go, one amen at least. Um, but but the, best, the best person to love that young lady is someone who is being shaped and molded by the love for God and a love for his commands. And the best people to love God's people are those who love God and obey his commands. This is why it's so important. This is why it matters for you to one, be here, to be a part of our church, and to be pursuing God. We need you, family. We need you, and we need you to be on mission pursuing God. We need you to be the best version of who you can be because that's how you can love those around you the best. Those who believe in Jesus Christ, they show their, their love for God in obedience to his commands. He says in verses, the, the latter part of verse two, like I just said, we know that we love the children of God when we obey his commandments. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments. And then he says this, and his, his commandments are not burdensome. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Why does he, you know, it, it feels kind of like jarring. Why does he start talking about his commands being burdensome? Why are they not burdensome? They're not burdensome because we've been freed from the world. And We've talked about what the world can mean many times in, in this series, but it, the world can mean like earth, you know, terra firma. It could mean God's creation. It could mean um, the people of God, or the people, people in the world, rather, all the people in the world. Or it could mean kind of the, the evil wickedness and the systems that are being created by the, the God of this world. And that's, that's oftentimes what John means. He oftentimes means that when we are to be in the world but not of the world, that we're supposed to be in this system of wickedness that is against God, but not of the system and the wickedness that is of God, uh, against God. And so he says here, his commands are not burdensome because everyone who's been born of God overcomes the world. You can obey God and I can obey God despite what the world says, despite what the enemy says, you can obey because you've been freed to obey. In chapter 2, he talks about this in verses 15 and 16. He says, do not love the world or, or the things of the world. 
If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. And he goes on to talk about what, he's, what he means when he says the world. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, the pride of possession is not from the Father. When you and I put our faith in Jesus Christ, we, we, we cut the line from the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and the pride of possessions. We disconnect ourselves from the world, and we have the opportunity to obey without that burden. His commands are not burdensome. Now, for some of us, our experience is, is otherwise. Pastor Eddie, when the Bible tells me to love my brother and sister in Christ, it's kind of burdensome. It feels burdensome. And I would say that's because sometimes when we put down the trash, we have this habit of picking it back up. Right? He, he has to remind the people that they're what? A new creation. Why? Because sometimes we forget. Sometimes we fall into these ruts, as Pastor Duke likes to talk about it. The ruts that we create in our minds, in our hearts. This is why Paul tells us in Romans 12, to renew our minds, to renew our minds. To memorize scripture, to, to meditate on God's word, to think God's thoughts after him. To obey. Because our tendency is to make things burdensome by unnecessarily saying, you know what? I am a failure. I will always struggle with this sin. I will never get past this. I don't have the power to say no. And yes, if you do that, then the command to obey becomes very burdensome. But it's not necessarily burdensome. Those who believe, everyone who believes has the ability to show their love for God in obedience and to overcome the world. He goes on and he says, who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the son of God? Family, it, it's all about faith. It's not only about faith. But if we disconnect our, our obedience, if we disconnect our attempts to love our neighbor or our brothers and sisters in Christ, if we disconnect our service here from faith in Jesus Christ and what he's done, then, then we, we disconnect ourselves from the strength to, to do any of these things. It's like, it's like trying to play with this little robot Lego Mindstorm and, and disconnecting the motors that move the wheels on the bottom and, and, and the motors that move the arms and, and it moves the sensor so that now he can't see where he's going and, and trying to get that robot to do anything. It just doesn't work. And family, I think that if we're not careful that we will try to do things and, and in half power or no power. But the, the good news is, is that Jesus did die on the cross and I say it week in and week out, and, and we have the unique danger of, of becoming numb to it in a different way. You know, I feel like 10 years ago, I remember hearing this 10, 10 15 years ago, where people were saying, we need to re, recapture the gospel, because there was a lot, of, a lot of preaching that was going on that was very kind of works-based. It was like, do this, don't do this, um, live this way, don't live this way, but, but it wasn't necessarily connected with the gospel, or the gospel itself was was uh, muddied, 
And, and so people began to say, this is the gospel. Jesus Christ lived the perfect life you should have lived, died the death that you, deserve, you, you should have died, rose again, defeating Satan's sin and death, and offers eternal life to anyone who repent or turn away from their sin and trust in him. That is the gospel. And I say it nearly every single week. And the danger is for us to say, yes, I understand that. I get it. And like last week, for us to say we get it, but not do the homework. Not do the homework of, of working that out. The truth is we have to hold our faith in Jesus Christ and allow that to empower us to obey. So what does that, what does that look like? Well, in your marriage, you know, there are moments where, where maybe you're frustrated, you're angry at your spouse, you feel resentment or, 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 or bitterness rise up, and, and the temptation is to be a good Christian and just kind of you know, white-knuckle bear it. And, and that'll work for one argument, maybe. But the reality is you need to connect to your faith in the God who forgave you. You need to connect to your faith in the God who was not bitter toward you, who was not unforgiving toward you, who poured out gracious, unconditional, committed, faithful love to you. And allow that to empower you to live differently. You know, if you're at work and you're feeling frustrated at your job, you're feeling angry about your, your stage of life, you're, you don't like that you're living in the place and situation that you're in and you feel a sense of, of discontentment, you know, maybe you need to do more than just say, well, I'm going to put on a, a happy Christian face, you know, and, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do what I can to, to not cuss out my boss. Maybe what you need to do is to go to the God who happily, joyfully, willingly looked at the cross, looked at the, the, the task set before him, and with joy did it as unto the Lord. Connect your faith to the activity. Connect your faith to the power source. This is how we overcome the world. Family, I, I, I believe that God has so much for us as a church body. You know, again, we, we went to this conference and one of the resounding calls was a call to big faith. And big faith, it, it can sound um, bombastic, but the reality is our faith ought to be as big as our God. And our faith is not big because we're like, rah, rah, zishumba, we're, uh, we're amazing. You know, we got lasers and tanks. Come to our church. It's, it's dynamic. This isn't, your, this isn't your mom's worship service. That's not what we're doing. We have big faith because we have a big God. You've got a God that will meet your needs. You've got a God that has provision for you. You've got a God that has forgiveness for you. You've got a God that has strength for you. You've got a God that has power for you. You've got a God that has love for you. You've got a God that loves you. 
You've got a God who's made you a new creation. You've got a God who's given you a new name. You've got a God who's adopted you willingly, lovingly. You said, come and be in my family. You've got a God who said, those things that have been said about my past, they're not true. You've got a God who says, those sins that come against you, you can overcome them. You've got a God who says, uh, uh, failure is not your lot. Victory is your lot. You've got a God who is powerful, who is big. And when you connect your faith to that God, man, these things, lightning, fireworks, tanks, lasers of the spiritual kind, we're called to win the city. You know, I've been, I've been thinking about what, okay, how do, we, how do we win the city? What's the first step? That's, a, that's kind of a big goal, right? We specifically have, have said, you know what? We'll take the Route 7 corridor. Chantilly, you, you take your part. DC, you take your part. We're going to work on the, the Route 7 corridor from you know, Great Falls and into the city all the way up to Winchester. We're not going any farther west. I'm just kidding. We, we may, but... What does that look like, family? What does that look like? Well, it looks like us having the kind of faith that's connected to a big God that says, you know what? I'm going to have to sacrifice. I personally, Eddie, am going to have to sacrifice. I'm going to have to talk to people I don't want to talk to, share the gospel when I don't want to, love people and forgive people when I don't feel like it, study the word more than I feel like I need to, give more than I feel like I have money to give, and, and, and if you begin to like, if, I, if, if I'm standing here and God is putting these things and I'm holding them, it's going to feel heavy. But if I, if I plug in to my faith in my big God, all of a sudden I'm not the one who's, who's holding it. It's God holding it. You know, some of you have come today and you feel angry because so-and-so has hurt you, has, has done something, they said something. And you have legitimate reasons to be upset. And you've said in your heart, I will not forgive that person. And God is saying, if you have faith in me, you will forgive that person. You know, some of you, you your, your idea of your life is this big. You know, and, and you're like, I just, if I can just get a job. And that's, I understand. I've been there. I am there sometimes. But God says, if you will just connect your faith with me, then I will, I will open up the horizon for you to see just what amazing things that I can call you to. It may not be the kind of amazing things that get you on the, on the news or get you on, you know, to be a YouTube or an Instagram influencer, but it, it'll be the kind of, of big life that, that allows God's power and his life and his His love to flow through you for you to be a conduit you know I look around the room family and I see so many people who've been changed and transformed by the gospel and I just want to encourage you that there's so much more that God wants to do there's so much more that God needs to do and if you feel like you can't I want to encourage you that you're probably right But the good news is that Jesus, the one in whom we put our faith, can. 
parents, you can't. <laughs> oh, man. But God can. <laughs> Rosa, you can't, but God can. Your kids are in the room. Man. Oh, you can't, but God can. College students, you can't, but God can. Um, professional people with the varied challenges and dynamics and politics that you might be experiencing, you can't, but God can. What have I said? Those who believe in Jesus Christ believe that he is their Lord and Savior, that he died on the cross for their sins, that he rose again, defeating Satan, sin, and death, that he is both God and man. Those who believe this thing, they are a new creation. Hear me, family. You are a new creation if you believe that. Don't believe anything else. Don't allow anyone to tell you anything else. Those who believe, they love the Father and they love the children of the Father. You were made to be here, family, and someone in this room needs to feel the love that you have to share. You know, I think many of us come to church and we're like, please, someone love me. Someone give me a hug or a, you know, a COVID side hug. And, and, and I would say to you, yes, but someone needs your love. Those who believe show their love for God in obedience to his commandments. Family, we want to be the best version of ourselves for those whom God has called us to love. We want to be the best version of ourselves for those whom God has called us to love. And those who believe overcome the world. Family, we are in the world overcoming business. We're in the world conquering business. You are in the world conquering business business. On Monday, when you are with your, your employer or your, your, your co-workers and they are talking smack and, and gossiping and being political and just getting on your nerves, you are in the world conquering business. And the love and patience and gratitude and forgiveness and just otherworldly expressions that you express will change people. They will say, why are you so weirdly nice? Because nice is the only category they have. When you don't participate in the drama and, and, and the gossip, they will say, why are you like that? And they may even make fun of you for it. But they will take note. They will take note. And like the thieves on the cross, some of them will deny Christ, but others will say, oh, I shouldn't have said that. Tell me about this Jesus you know. Some of them will eat their words. In your marriages, there's a lot that militates against families. In your parenting, in this world, there's a lot that militates against your family. But we are in a world overcoming, world conquering business. Not because I'm awesome, and not because you're awesome, as awesome as you are. I love you but because our God is awesome. Amen? Let's pray. Jesus, you are awesome. Just let that sit for a minute. Jesus, you are awesome. You are worthy of our awe. 
you're worthy of our honor. You're worthy of our, our wonder. God, I just, I think about the picture in Revelation that you give of, of Jesus coming back, riding on a white horse with a linen robe dipped in blood, with a sword coming out of your mouth and eyes of fire. This picture, this, this symbolic picture of the power of the victory, victory of the strength that you possess. No longer a meek and mild shepherd, but a victorious king and God. Jesus, would you give us of that vision to believe in and to look at when we face the challenges we face, when we face the sin in our life, when we face the suffering in our life, when we face the brokenness in our relationships. Lord, help us to look at you, Jesus, to believe in you, Jesus. And allow that faith to rise up to such a degree that it empowers us to obey, it empowers us to love, it empowers us to live lives that are transformed and changed by you, it empowers us to live conquerous, victorious lives, it empowers us to reach this Route 7 corridor, it empowers us to share the gospel, it empowers us to be your people on mission in the world. We recognize that it starts and it ends with faith. Not faith in faith, not in faith in good feelings, but faith in a God who saves, faith in a God who, who wins. If you've never trusted in Jesus Christ, you've never put your faith in him, you've trusted in other things, your abilities, your strength, your, your, your goodness. The Bible says that none of those things are enough, but what is enough is the life the righteous, obedient life that Jesus lived and his death on the cross. That is enough to satisfy, to, to take away your sins and to bear your punishment so that you might have new life, that you might be a new creation and that you might live this victorious life. If you've never trusted Jesus and you want to today, I just want you to raise your hand. There's nothing magical in raising your hand. There's nothing magical about, about praying, which we're about to do. If you're online, just let one of the hosts know. You can click the button. And you're just responding to what God is doing. Pray this with me. God, I turn away from everything I know to be sin, and I turn to you and trust in you. God, would you, would you take my life and use it? Let me glorify you. Let me bring you honor and glory by loving you and loving others, by being radically faithful to obey you. God, give us big faith. Give us faith in our big God. We pray this in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Love you, family.